This is the A. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is the A, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay! <laughs> As always, we are sponsored by Central Works, a new play theater, headed up by Gary Graves and Jans Leifler. Central Works, reinventing theater one play at a time. We want to thank Central Works for sponsoring us and our wonderful consulting producer, Mallory Samara. And we have a, a fantastic guest. I always say that all the time, but there are there are individuals. <laughs> That's because it's the Bay Area. We, <laughs> we get fantastic guests. But I have in my internal mind an internal list of people who I, it's almost like a bucket list of people that I want to interview. And there are some people that I they just don't want to be interviewed because they don't want to talk about themselves and all that sort of stuff. And um, Netta, uh, this is uh, Aquanetta Summers Wong. Uh, we were on stage in 2000, I want to say 2008, Eight. Mm-hmm. when we did Before the Dream. Totally blown away by your talent, and now you are in compared to what? Um, Aquanetta, how are you doing? <laughs> doing well. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. And um, hopefully, um, compared to what is doing well, um, how, are you, how are you enjoying being back on stage? Oh, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm really Yay. grateful for the opportunity. No, and she's no, doing no. great work. Yeah, that's she fantastic. She is fantastic. <laughs> and we'll learn more about you, Netta. Um, as I begin every podcast, how's your week, Norman? This week has been a death week. Um, <laughs> death? D-E-A-T-H? <laughs> no, no, no. D-E-A-T-H. Yeah, okay. that's what you said. Yeah, yes. death. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. It's so funny. You hear so many other things. Death, death Row Records is what comes to mind. Right, no, yeah. No, um, so I have an aunt who died. Oh, um, My mother's sister. My mother calls me frantic because my cousin is posting things on Facebook, and she didn't want me to see it on Facebook. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. So let me see what he's posting. Not much. You know, his mama's picture, and I lost my queen. Mm. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, yay. <laughs> um, it just, you know, I don't think it's really hit me, but I've, it's been in my head for a few days. Um, folks not doing so well, so that's, you know, that's all just sort of been hanging on me this mm-hmm. week. And then, just because death is in the air, apparently, a friend says, hey, we were wondering if you'd be willing to sort of emcee a, um, a memorial. And I'm like, MC, like, I'm going to tell jokes, you know? <laughs> How many folks from out of town? Hey. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Did you fly in? Are your arms tired? Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. You know, what am I supposed to do? And they were like, they want to pay me. And I said, it's a memorial. I'm going to feel really weird doing anything more than facilitating. I'm happy to do that for you. I will, I will donate my time. Yeah. Um, and I don't know this person, but it's the uh, good friend of... A high school alum's wife. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yeah. They felt sure. very respectful. I mean, they they must think very highly of you to to ask you to do that. I, you know, I I just my big thing is going to be just to say up front, I don't know this person. I have no memories to share. Yeah, I am here for you all, and you all are here to honor. Yeah, that's what's going on. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Death. Uh, it reminds me. I had a, I had a uncle. Um, Howard and uh, he had passed away I think it was 2000 I'm sorry 95 94 I was still in DC at the Mm, time mm -hmm. and I had a cousin who was his uh, daughter I think daughter-in-law and she had a prepared speech but she gave it to me and says I can't read it please read it for me (laughs) and I said okay and Howard was someone that I did not grow up with I mean I knew Mm -hmm. him sort of after when we became an adult this is someone that my aunt 
she was on the rebound and she remarried, you know, uh, an individual, and that was Howard. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he was a uh, so he was a World War II veteran. He was in the Navy. Uh, he was a cook. Spent many times in, uh, in the Holiday Inn cooking for them. It was that like their main chef, and he was one who had found God very late in his um, his life. So, um, but yeah, yeah, I sort of jumped in and did the, you know, the little speech or whatever, and... Um, <laughs> You know, that was that. I guess it's just, you know, having the respect and right. understanding the um, that you may not know the individual, but, you know, you you respect, you can connect. Right. As an actor, you know, it's like, hey, I'm not, this is a character role, and although I'm not directly connected with what's going on here, I can understand, I can find parallels. Well, yeah, more than anything, just yeah. being empathetic right, and, exactly. and really trying to make the space for them. So right. if they're agreeable to that, that's what I'm going to do. I'm like, wow, this is um this is just that week. Yeah, yeah. Now are you I remember you were had been auditioning for a couple of things. Um I'm no Anything I'm, you can talk about? <laughs> I am not auditioning oh ooh, when we get to shout outs, remind me though. I, okay. I do have a special shout out for mm-hmm. you. Um but no, um I really just kinda took the week and okay. just I, I I went to San Quentin finally. Oh, that's right. That's it's been, yeah. sp- been supposed to happen for a couple of weeks now, and yeah. the units that we were going to be working with were mm-hmm. on COVID lockdown. So finally, mm-hmm. half or a little more than half of them, yeah, were able to come. There's still one more unit that is still on lockdown. Yeah, and you know, I didn't die. I got out okay. <laughs> so well, I'm sure there are guards and all that stuff, and I'm sure they wouldn't put you in a serious uh, situation. But um, it was amazing to watch these guys come ready to play. Good. And I was like, wow, okay. Yeah. I'm used to the teenagers where you sort of have to trick them into having a good time. Oh, sure, 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 yeah. But these well, guys need something else. Yeah. And so they, yeah. they're really open to it so far, and we'll see how it goes. That'll, yeah. Those will be my Wednesdays for here out. It's a good service for them. I mean, not just the whole theater thing, in the, in the, but it's, it's a way for them to sort of, um, number one, get their minds off of what's really going on. And right. two, I've always felt the theater is a wonderful problem-solving or situation, put yourself in a situation well, that you're not yeah. necessarily in. And that's how we're selling it, yeah. Right, right, exactly. I've got to uh, cut my uh, email stuff off. I see, even when oh. I turn my uh, I, even when I turn my Wi-Fi off, <laughs> it still pops up. So there have been um, some current events, some fascinating uh, current events. So I don't know if you heard about this. Uh, a 19-year-old uh, was, this is a case that happened a couple of years ago. It's a black girl who was caught into the sex uh, yes. thing, and she killed her pimp. No, right. no, she killed her John. Yes. And um, the state of, I want to say it's Iowa. I may be wrong. I'll, I'll double check. Mm-hmm. But in any case, um, she's not going to serve jail time, but she has to pay restitution. She has to pay $150,000, right. yes. which is ridiculous. Yeah. She was 15 years old yeah. when she did. Have, did you hear about this news? I have not. Yeah. But yeah, it's just no, very, it's, very sad. It is. Well, and it's being, you know, there's a lot of talk happening about it right now. We'll see if it doesn't get contested or they don't reduce the thing. It's Yeah, yeah, it should be. It should be. Um, thrown out. Yeah. It, it, it <laughs> that would be heaven. Be thrown out. It's just one of those things where justice, how free are you and how, how justified is justice depends on what state you're in. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a very, very sad thing. Um 
well, I'll throw this out. If you, if it catches your fancy, fine. If not, whatever. Mm-hmm. Tom, it, apparently, there's a source saying that Tom Brady, uh, if you're into sports, and Gazelle are having some marital issues. Oh. So Tom Brady, if you don't know, is a seven-time uh, champion. He's one of these guys who, you know, he won, I think, six with the Patriots Super Bowls mm-hmm. and one with the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. He retired, and then he unretired. Right. <laughs> And uh, sources say that his wife is very, very upset of him going back into the NFL. It's like, my God, you have seven Super Bowl rings. <laughs> You've been in the Super Bowl ten times. Right. How much more do you need to prove? And you're mm-hmm. 45 years old, which is very old for a mm-hmm. quarterback. And so it's one of those things, you know, do you choose, you know, can you love something so much that you negate your family? Right. And I don't know if it, of course, it doesn't apply to theater, but I do think about it because I've been in relationships where, a girlfriend have said, why are you doing this? You know, why are you, you're taking time away from us and you're doing all these rehearsals and mm-hmm. you're coming at 11 p.m. And I don't understand why you, and you're not making a lot of money, so. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, have you had those d- discussions, Netta, if you have like a project or whatever, or it may not, not maybe not even with your current husband, what are you, let's say past relationships regarding theater? No. No, not at all? Not at all. Okay. No, I've what? been extremely lucky and a very supportive partner, husband. So mm-hmm. it's never been an issue. Yay. Well, that's good. That's good. So we'll see what happens with Tom and them. Um, so these are two funny things. <laughs> At least I think they're funny. Ryan Reynolds got a colonoscopy and he oh, live streamed right. it. Yes. And I guess it's for a good cause, you know, for those who are wary of uh, colon cancer. And, you know, he I guess he, he there was a bet and he lost the bet. And so he he got his colonoscopy done. Uh, I find, you know, social media and the whole streaming thing. Everyone is streaming everything. Everything is live, mm-hmm. whether, you know, it needs to be alive or not. So I don't know if this is more just TMI, too much information, <laughs> or if it's for a good cause. Who knows? I, I think it's for a good cause. Yeah. It's kind of, didn't Katie Couric do something like that back, you know, I, I back in the past? Yeah, I can't they just wanted to do it. But yeah, yeah. So, I so, mean, I, I think people, we don't want, you remember it used to be that if you said cancer, mm-hmm. you know, you didn't even say the word, people would say the C word, and, and they didn't seem to want to report it. Yeah. And now, like, I know somebody who just let us know she has breast cancer, and oh. she's about to get a double mastectomy oh. Monday. Yeah. And she just let everybody know. She's mm-hmm. like, I'm... This is what's going on with me right now. It's mm. like, oh, okay, that that sounds hard, but it's good that you're talking about it instead of feeling like you need to hide it. Exactly, because if you put it, you know, the worst thing, the worst case scenario is you don't go to the hospital, you right. don't go to the doctor because yep. you're too afraid. What you don't know can and very will kill you. Oh, so yeah. you have got to, you know, raise awareness. And Ryan Reynolds, he's a bit of a hero for me. I mean, he bought Mint, which I use. Mint is the uh, tel- cell telephone cell service oh okay. oh which, right yes which only charges fifteen dollars a month mm-hmm. which is awesome for me because a lot of them have been sixty and seventy dollars a month so right. I'm saving a bunch of money but he's just using his uh fame to sort of um bring light to you know a lot of causes and yeah. i remember when he was you know sort of the boy toy and he was doing all these things and then i think when he did um uh deadpool mm-hmm. he sort of just made fun of himself Right. And made a career out of just being silly. Right. And just, you know, saying, hey, you know, I may be the statuesque white male, but I can make a joke of myself. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I like Will Ferrell. You know, I feel Will Ferrell oh, yeah. takes his, um, I guess, you know, um, 
the the white privilege that he has, but sort of subverts it and sort of makes fun of himself, which makes him accessible to everyone. And I feel the same way with Ryan Reynolds. Mm-hmm. And, and also he's he's doing these wonderful things. So that's cool. And the very last thing that I have, a landlord in Texas, he ha- he owns property and he makes it, I guess he has a deal with the city or the county for Section 8 to, uh, to open it up to low-income people. Before he can rent, Uh but he puts in his contract. He's targeting women, and he has in his contract: you have to have sex with me. Okay. You know, quit pro quo to pay rent. Right. And so, uh, one woman, unfortunately, she actually did have sex with him because she has four. (laughs) Somebody agreed to it. Well, she has five kids, and she's on Section Eight, and she was like, "I'm in a situation where I have to have housing for my kids." Mm -hmm. I think she signed the contract without even reading it. And then when the landlord pointed it out, so she had this arrangement until she took him to court. And the lawyer's having fun with it because he actually has it in his contract. It's mm-hmm. actually written down. And, of course, it's totally illegal. And it's just right. – just, some folks are just disgusting. I mean, I think about us heterosexual men. And I, I'm just glad that they're stupid. I'm glad that they're stupid enough that they put that in writing. Yeah. Okay. Let's yeah. go to court. <laughs> And one last thing before we get into an origin story with uh, Netta, but we've been, you know, as we've done the yay and we do these uh, current events, there's always been, you know, R. Kelly has been indicted once again. Again. (laughs) For another uh, thing. But there have been so many cases where there have been shootings or, let's say, sexual assault or sexual harassment, even Donald Trump, mm-hmm. just misogyny against women and even, you know, the closing down of Planned Parenthood, Roe v. Wade. How do you feel, Netta, I guess, as a woman seeing all of these headlines going on? I mean, do you feel less empowered or do you feel it really doesn't affect you because, you know, it isn't directly affecting you right now? I don't know if you have a read on what's what's been going on. Dead air. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, sometimes it is. You know, just over the past, you know, few years, I've kind of disconnected from a lot of what's on social media or what's on the news. But of course, with the overturning or basically the dismantling of Roe v. Wade, mm-hmm. very much, um, you know, aware of what's going on with regards to that. Um, in terms of being disempowered, it's not disen- it's not a feeling of um, a lack of power. It's more so anger and rage that there's the feeling that women cannot make a decision for themselves based Mm -hmm. upon who they are and what their situations are and what their beliefs are. Um, And that's more so where my, my anger is directed Mm -hmm. and it just kind of puts a light on the fact that you cannot become complacent with what you have. You heard so many times over the years, there's no way they can overturn Roe v. Wade. There's no way they can take away, you know, voting rights. There's no way, there's no way, there's no way. But when things are positioned or maneuvered and people who are very much invested in a certain outcome, I guess, organize and funnel enough money into something, there's always that threat. So you always have to be vigilant. You always have to stand up and demand your rights and say, no, this is wrong. Yeah. It's been nice to see the response. I mean, Mm -hmm. they say that of new registrations, like seven out of 10 are women. (laughs) 
mm-hmm. right now across the country. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, I can't wait for November. <laughs> yeah, no, it's awesome. And also the Supreme Court, there's been a reaction there. You know, Roberts announced that I guess the Supreme Court rulings or I guess proceedings are going to be open to the public. They're sort of asking for it because, you know, they, they're trying to, you know, backpedal and say, hey, you know, we're, we're still a part of, you know, um, you know, we're, we're not <clears throat> we're not we're not disrupting um, American freedom, you know, with these horrible rulings. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, they're, they're going to they're getting blowback and they're trying to, I guess, you know, patch things up. I don't they, know how you're going to do that unless you. I don't know how they're going to do that, especially with the last few who have been confirmed, especially when during the confirmation hearings, they were specifically asked questions regarding their stance on yeah. these landmark decisions, and they said no. It is, I'm sorry, you know more so about the technical term for that. that yeah, it well, is, I mean, they just say, well, you know, we're not going no, to. No, because they said that it has been established precedent. as yeah. precedent, precedent. Exactly. so we will not touch that. Right. And right. so basically at that time, they lied. Of course. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No question. Yeah. And the unfortunate thing is, you know, the minute they're in, they could sort of, you know, drop that mask of sand or drop that, you know, that mask that they have. And it's like, ha ha, I'm in now. And it's 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 so really, really disgusting. And I'm oh, sure yeah. that Roberts feels, you know, sort of in the middle because he's sort of been the, <laughs> that pivot uh, justice who could decide one way or the other. Right. Which really ticked a lot of people off on, mm-hmm. the, on the right who said that he betrayed them. But yeah. he's supposed to be, you know. Impartial. Impartial. Yeah. Right. Fair. Well, they're all supposed to be impartial. Yeah. 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 Exactly mm-hmm. right. It's, and it's and unfortunately, it's one of those things that, you know, I guess it may not be resolved until, well, Clarence Thompson is the oldest, per, oldest uh, justice there. So, um, not that I wish <laughs> anything bad to happen to him, um, but really, someone, you know, someone's going to have to be replaced. So, so we'll see. Um, Let's get into an origin story. Aquanetta Summers Wong. Um, how were you born and raised? I was born in California, kind of raised all over California, and mm-hmm. then in the Far East. My father was military, okay. so I was born on Mather Air Force Base. Which Air Force Base? Mather in Sacramento. Oh wow, wow! Siblings? Yes, a brother and a sister. But okay. Older. Are you the oldest or youngest? I'm the youngest. Ah, I see. I see. The baby. Yeah. <laughs> How did the theater bug bite you? Were you involved in theater when you were young, like high school theater and that sort of stuff? Mm-hmm. I, um, yeah, actually, that's when I got involved in theater. I used to read a lot, and mm-hmm. I guess I'd get kind of caught up in fantasies and in my own thoughts. And um, I think the first playwright, you know, besides, you know, your... Shakespeare, Greek tragedies, but mm-hmm. the first contemporary playwright that I was introduced to was um, Lorraine Hansberry. Oh, that was by my, um, mm-hmm. yeah, by my um, English teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to a I think I was telling you, Norman, the very, very first play that I picked up, at, you know, other than the stuff that I did in church, was Lorraine Hansberry. Had uh, no idea Raisin in the Sun was a mm-hmm. thing. I hadn't even seen the the motion picture. Uh huh. Oh. And the first monologue was, of course, um, Walter Lee Younger. Right. Yeah. yeah. Damn. Yeah. But it's just one of those crazy things. How in the world, you know, how does that connection happen? Mm-hmm. But so it was, that was your first play that you read. Yeah. Wow. Well, contemporary. Was it yeah. the first one you were in? Um, no. There were, um, you know how you, you're, you're in high school and you go through a 
you know, you have different scenes, you read different plays. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess you could say for the first play that I was a part of, I'd actually helped to direct. Mm-hmm. And then one of the um, one of the students got sick and couldn't be there, so uh-huh. I had to step in. So oh. I was a part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember uh, in high school, what, what was that? Um, I can't remember... I can't remember the play. Oh, it wasn't mm-hmm. Angels, but it was it was considered to be uh not risque, but it dealt with AIDS. Oh, and uh-huh. so I wanted to to do this particular play and it wasn't Angels. I can't I can't think. Not I'm Matthew Shepard. I don't know if it was like up the down Philadelphia. Dare. No, it Philadelphia. wasn't Philadelphia. It had a it had multiple um vignettes. And it was just oh. talking about the the experience mm-hmm. that people. But not came Angels to. in America. It uh, wasn't Angels in America. Hmm. I don't think it was Angels in America. Right. Huh. So long ago. I'm sorry. Well, no, it's, a, it's all good. I just remember the um, yeah. principles. Sticking but that's kind of down. intense to start yeah. with yeah. something like that. Yeah. Well, it's awesome that the theater. I mean, the school allowed that to to come in. Mm-hmm. I know. I know they when didn't. when I was involved at um, Duke Ellington School of the Arts. Teachers deliberately brought in subject matters that would engage us, like scenes from Soweto talking about right. apartheid. Us kids in the 80s had no concept yep. of what was going on in South Africa. No, it's the way I like to work personally. I, I, when somebody wants me to make it safe for the kids, and I'm like, well, I'd rather figure out how can we talk about this with the kids. I want to be age appropriate, but the kids live in this world. Mm-hmm. They they have some awareness of it, and they probably have some opinions about it. Yeah. It's kind of nice to and give I them think a chance. Theater, to and I think theater is the best up. way of doing it too. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So they can actually step in these roles in these situations. Um, so um, so that was high school. Did you go to college? Did you study theater after? I did, um, oh, but I didn't know this. <laughs> but theater was not my major. It wasn't um, practical. I have parents. My parents are from. Uh, Selma, Alabama, and so there are things that you you need to be able to do, and right. theater was not a viable choice. Um, so I majored in uh, nursing. Uh, you know, lots of science classes, and then my second year, I went into the theater program and or to the <laughs> theater department. I was able to finally breathe right. for the first time after a year, and so um, yeah, took enough courses for a minor, but. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a really, really great experience. Where's where were you? Where were you at school? Uh, San Jose State. Yay! Yeah, so worked with um, the late Buddy Butler. That was oh, a real, that was a real yeah, hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a hard passing. Um, Amy Glazier. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know Ethel. It was just, it was a great, great time. My my stepson is down there now. Oh, oh right Wonderful. on. What is what was it? What was it, or is it about theater that because a lot of folks may do it in high school and say, "Okay, that's enough," and let me just move on. But something, I guess, you, you've you've held on to it, or at least you held on to it to want to take the course. Um, what is it about theater that um, that that you hold on to? It allows you that self-expression. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's interesting, you know, running into different people who are involved with, say, theater or with film. You have some people who are just like, you know, this is a really great way to make a living and, you know, you just do it. And it's not, it, it means something to them, but it's not that that kind of visceral thing. Mm-hmm. Sure. 
Um, I think for me, it's just a form of self-expression. Yeah. Um, being able to kind of move into a character and, you know, learn about that, you know, that, that person, about that, that world that you might not necessarily be exposed to or get a chance to, to live in. Mm -hmm. And I enjoy the play. I enjoy the interaction and seeing what kind of, you know, human connection, human experience, you know, um, I remember the whole thing about like action choices, you know, what is the intent of this, this scene? What is the intent of this interaction? And, you know, what can you create? How can you move people? I mean, mm -hmm. theater is, an, is a remarkable tool, like, you know, not even tool, just experience that it can, it can change people. It can, it can transform. And even in, you know, regular, you know, like contemporary, you see like TV, you'll see something that is there, but then later on within the whole experience of reality, you see kind of like how that, that concept, that thought feeds into, mm -hmm. into real life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was know. mentioning, it was a couple of episodes ago. It, I think it was with, um, Hyung Ji Kim. I was talking about how theater is sort of in the DNA of America. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember the play Cato is Dead or The Death of Cato, but it was done mm -hmm. in 1730-something. Really? Okay. And it was one of those things where a lot of the founding fathers, and remember these are still British mm -hmm. subjects, right. went to the play, and in the play there are embers of freedom where there's mm -hmm. a speech where Democracy, uh, he says... Yeah. Give me liberty or give me death. Sure. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that text from the death of Cato, that play, mm -hmm. got into the Declaration of Independence and That's all that stuff. Cool. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I thought about that when, as you mentioned, Netta, theater can change people because mm -hmm. it plants a thought. If it's good theater, if right. it's one of those theaters that, you know, there's some, there are theaters where it's like, hey, we're not trying to engage you. We just want to entertain you. Mm -hmm. You know, it's Annie Get Your Gun or Oklahoma, you know, just have fun. Mm -hmm. um, but there is that sometimes the theater where you are truly engaged and I think of Lorraine Hansberry I mean that's what one scene itself I mean Lorraine Hansberry in the 50s is telling a story of black a black family right mm -hmm. in um, I think they're in Chicago. Minnesota Chicago, Chicago. yeah Chicago. they basically Chicago. migrated from the south because that's her family story yeah you know, talking about moving from the south side, trying mm -hmm. to get out of that neighborhood right exactly and the whole Walter Lee Younger I mean as a teenager I didn't really think about the black experience, but all of a sudden mm. you have this guy who's like, hey, listen, just give me the money. <laughs> just give me the damn money, and right. if these white folks want to stay where they want to be, that's fine. Mm -hmm. And the internal battle, I mean, I never even thought about anything like that. So mm -hmm. it ties into how theater can truly change or challenge mm -hmm. the way you think. Yeah, and also inspire. I remember just being drawn to the the character beneath that. You yeah. know, just the, the experience of you know, being a young woman, being maybe different from your family or your family's experience and mm -hmm. then going in and then finding your identity, finding out who you are, aside from, you know, being an African-American woman within that, that context and then exploring who you are in relation to, you know, being a black woman, being of you know, part of that diaspora. Yeah, mm -hmm. in so. 1926, and we can get into compared to what. So, how how's the experience been doing the play and analyzing? Well, I haven't even talked about you know what techniques you've learned in school, but I want to sort of get into that as well. But how's it been being Benita? 
No. Oh, no. I'm sorry. That's no, no, no. from... <laughs> no, no. Benita is in uh, Raising, Raising the, the Sun. Sun. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Did you actually do that? <laughs> yeah. Yes. You did do Benita in Raising yes, the Sun. Oh, I did. let's talk about that then. We'll get oh. you compared to what's here. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. It was it, it it was a wonderful experience. I'd say that was one of the the best experiences that I've ever had on stage, and mm-hmm. that was um, directed by Buddy mm-hmm. and just the whole interactions in, uh, San, of the class. San Jose, mm-hmm. San Jose State. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now Benita's a fantastic character. She's one of these electric young women, black women, mm-hmm. who's breaking away from Ruth and from grandma. Yep. It's like, hey, I'm going to be the new black mm-hmm. woman. I'm yep. the new generation. I got this African boyfriend, Asagai, <laughs> or Asagi, or whatever, whatever. Asagai. Asagai, yeah. Asagai. And, you know, and her challenging, you know, her brother Walter Lee Younger, and you, you can see where the break between the old generation of um, black families. I mean, I think about my Mm -hmm. black family, like, you know, my grandparents who came from the deep South and still had those deep Southern beliefs, you know, everything under God. And, you know, we do things the good old fashioned way. My Mm -hmm. grandfather didn't even trust the bank because, you know, he was being ripped off during the Great Depression. And then you have the new generation who's motivated by funk and, you know, and all that sort of stuff. Of course, that's, I mean, that doesn't apply to Raising the Sun because it was written in like the 50s, but it's you do 50s, have these but It's gorgeous that, like you said, that diaspora, t- that you get to see in one family a bunch mm-hmm. of different concerns, a bunch of different perspectives. Mm-hmm. And while on the one hand you're laughing at this young woman because she <laughs> is so naive in so many ways, <laughs> yes. her intensity is no less than Walter's. Mm-hmm. The power of them trying to struggle against a world that doesn't know what to do with them mm-hmm. and they don't even know what to do with each other. Exactly. It's just, it's beautiful to bring it alive. And it's a path that they don't have. I mean, a lot of people will say, okay, I got to follow this path to get out of my situation. There mm-hmm. is no path for, you know, beneath or whatever, especially right. in, the, in the late 50s. Mm-hmm. Where does the progressive black person go? Go, go ahead. Well, I think that the path, she's creating her own path. She she's is. looking at, you know, her, her history, looking at where she is now, mm-hmm. moving forward, seeing education as I think a number of people during that time frame saw as a way, mm-hmm. a way through and just saying that I will not accept, you know, this identity. I will create my own identity right. and this is what, you know, this is who I am. Yeah. Yeah. I know you're afraid for me, but right. I can't be confined within this. Yeah. This box. Yeah, I can't remember. Did, did they did they did they break up or did they marry Asagai mm. and Benita? It's it's not it's, answered. It's not resolved be, at the end of the play. Okay, and there's she, uh, um, mm-hmm. because there's kind of there are two suitors. There's right. one that's more so oh, within the yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. One the traditional black guy and mm-hmm. one the um, Asa guy, yeah, yep. um, African. And you get to see embers of. Uh, I mean, not that Benita's become radicalized, but you get to see a little bit of Angela, An- Angela Davis. Or well, maybe- and that's Lorraine. Well, what you're seeing is Lorraine Hansberry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lorraine Hansberry was at that time one of a handful, no more than you know, definitely less than a dozen people outside of government in the United States who actually knew what was going on in Africa. Mm. Like, she could talk and did. Very famously went to a party, um, a meeting. Well, there was a party where she got to see Senator Kennedy and have a discussion about this. And then later, she was part of a group that went to talk to him at the White House about what was going on in the country and what was going on internationally and what was going on in Africa and the Mm. Pan-African movement. 
Yeah. And so mind you, she brings all that in. Mm-hmm. And mind you, it's really important to just, you know, realize how young she was at that time. Yeah. Because yeah. she passed at 32. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Wow. How powerful. Yeah. And it reminds me of Before the Dream, which, you know, we can talk about because, you know, we did that. Well, I'm curious how we got, how you got from school to yeah. Oakland Public Theater. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious about that piece. Um, well... So I, I did a couple, well, I did a number of shows while I was in school, and then I also had the opportunity to do um, theater in San Jose. Mm-hmm. So I worked with um, companies such as Teatro and um, oh. San Jose uh, Stage, which is like, you know, the smaller um, I, company that's there. I am there. working with them this fall. Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. And so I got a chance to also work with um, a company that was there at the time um, called Tabia. And oh yes, um, um, Vera, 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 Vera Y. Yes. 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 And she doesn't live in the area anymore. You no, know, I think a lot of people kind of moved out. I think at one point a lot of people were going to Las Vegas or just like different. Yeah, areas I wasn't sure where she ended up, but she was just yep, so yep. dynamic. She was, she was so powerful. She was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, one of my um, one of my um, professors got me an audition with uh brava which was before they moved to their new site oh the little the little the little yeah. tiny like yeah, the little smaller t- newsroom. <laughs> <laughs> but that was that was really um that was a great experience mm-hmm. and then so um i'm not exactly sure how i got to to oakland i um Oakland Public, we did Walls, and I believe that was the first time That's that how we, we met. Yes. Yeah, and that was, the, yeah. you know, and then meeting, you know, Jeannie. And I think that I got there through um, Wilma. Walls? Yeah. Yes. I thought she just recently wrote that. She, uh, she no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Okay. Even when we did it, it was a second production. It yeah. was not the first Interesting. production. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. And I think I got to Jeannie because I had met Wilma at another. Sure. And that may have been through... Um, that may have been through Teatro, uh-huh. but I'm not, I'm not sure. No, um, Teatro Vision down in Oh, Vision, yes, yeah. yes, yes. And then um, because we did, oh, she she cast me and um, she was directing uh, Women's Will. Mm-hmm. And um, it was, uh, it wasn't mid, it wasn't. Midsummer, no. Mid, no, it was. Um, why am I blanking? Mm. It was set in the Caribbean, and it's the play where the woman um, gets shipwrecked, and she becomes a man in order to... Oh, oh, uh, Twelfth Night. Twelfth Night, yeah. thank you. Yeah, I don't yeah. know why I was totally yeah. blanking on that. She cast me in, um, in Twelfth Night. Mm-hmm. So that was... Um, as a <laughs> And that was, um, that's how I got to meet her. What, yeah. what time period are we talking about? The early aughts or late 90s? 90s. Early aughts. Yeah. Early aughts, okay. Yeah, early aughts. Nice. And that connected you to um, Oakland Public Theater? Yes. Eventually. Eventually. <laughs> right on. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it's very, very cool. It sounds like immediately after you came out of school, you began working almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. I mean, that's... With uh, some very dynamic not, companies. It's yeah. Very cool people. It's a great opportunities. Yeah. So yeah, we did. We met in walls and had had these crazy <laughs> scenes. Oh my god! It wasn't the crazy scenes. It was everything else that yeah. felt crazy, mm-hmm. including having George Takei 
yes. walk through um, because <laughs> he, he was considering yes. doing um, a piece with the um, uh-huh. Asian American Theater Company. Okay. And so they were in discussions about it, and hey. um, and then it didn't end up happening. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, but that was that, that. No, that was a great experience for me because I'm a total Trekkie, and so right. I'm just like, oh my gosh! I know. It was like, and I, I didn't know he was gay, and uh. suddenly there he is with his very gay partner. It's like, <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, sure. Why, why couldn't Sulu be gay? Why? Yeah, I think by the odds I knew he was gay. <laughs> but hey, wonderful experience. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you have the Oakland. Um, the o- Oakland Public Theater, and it, it's it sounds like you met. Norman, same time that I met you, uh, almost around the time. Similar. I think we Similar met around 2000, I want to say four, five. Mm-hmm. When we so when did, yeah. There. Yeah, it would have been around 2005, I think, yeah. uh, Walls. Um, yeah, no, yeah. That, was, that was wild. And a lot of it ended up being us sort of creating the show because mm-hmm. it was it was set in different places so the script was the set was very nondescript non-specific mm-hmm. yeah except for the wall and even that was mostly us acting not mm-hmm. yeah you didn't really now, see Now here's it. a question for you Norman what was your first impression of Netta on stage She was just easy to deal with um yeah. and I I mean, I hope it's not rude to say, but, and it's so funny, I say these things in front of you, and then I'm like, oh, but was it rude? Uh, but no, a black woman, um, sort of, uh, it's hard to describe, but uh, sort of sort of girl next door. Okay. This is somebody, I guess maybe it's my experience, because I come from a very suburban mm-hmm. upbringing. Yeah. Um, and yet, in theater, we're often being pushed into this, you're going to be, you know, this black guy, and he's in a gang. Yeah, and, stereotypes. You know, crim- all this crap. Cliches. And for the black women, similarly, just put in these weird yeah. positions. Yeah. And this was a woman, and, you know, part of it was also my mother's a nurse. So, you were playing a nurse to be able to just fall into that place and to find that character. It was just so easy to do. And what was funny to me is afterwards, I started talking about you everywhere I could. Mm-hmm. And people kept having trouble casting you. And I was like, <laughs> and I realized that was exactly why. They had images in their head oh, of I what see. they wanted they the wanted character the to be. Yeah. And you blacker. didn't fit. Hmm? Um, I get, can you be blacker? Yeah. A lot of things. Yeah. You're not no, black enough. disgusting. Yeah. Oh, all kinds of just ridiculous things. And it's like, well. Consider the character, consider this person as the character, and see if that isn't an interesting... So I felt like on stage, we had a dynamic. I felt like we were one of the strongest things in the play, um, because we just had a very natural dynamic. We had a way of... And there were these episodic <coughs> scenes, so we see a series of scenes between these two characters as mm. they come to a almost friendly place. <laughs> um, I'm playing a disabled vet. Mm. And I hate the world, and and I'm mad at everybody and everything, and she mm. just has not taken my mess. <laughs> um, but again, instead of getting to that sassy black mama kind of place, yeah. she brought it from a real place, and it it just resonated. I felt like it worked for us. It worked for the audience. Awesome. And I started thinking, I want to see this on stage more. So when Oakland Public Theater had the opportunity, I was like, Netta, <laughs> I want you to play this character for me, please. Yeah. I think about that when I think of Before the Dream, and uh, I can't think of who was the, um, the publisher, no, the writer, who was writing for Richard Wright, had a little crush on Richard Wright. That was Margaret Walker. Margaret Walker. And, you know, I, so my first impression of you was, wow, 
this is an intelligent and uh, once again i'll give the same disclaimer not to be <laughs> not to step on anyone's feet but just a very intelligent black woman and the presence of an intelligent bringing mm-hmm. uh, creating a character which is an intelligent black woman yeah is something it's unfortunate we just don't see it as much maybe we see no. a little bit more on tv but you're absolutely right the cliche and you know or they become strident yeah and it's like there there are other colors in this character besides just them being emphatic about something please yeah sort of a quiet um presence but strong presence mm-hmm. that we just don't see and i felt that when you uh, created margaret walker one of the three um biographers when we did before the dream and i had such a wonderful um just moments uh creating that uh really the whole experience of, of before the dream was fantastic well yeah i made you guys cook literally cookie cutter just sort of putting pieces together i have those pages yeah what, what, and what, what, i look what, at them I, now and i am embarrassed that i ever handed those to anybody because i was literally xeroxing pages cutting them yeah recopying them together and saying this is your script yeah <laughs> and, and find your initial so on the original script yeah. your initials are all on that original script yeah i have some of those pages too scanned and um mm-hmm. i remember some of the other actors being frustrated it's like damn it when are we getting a final script yep. except you you were not you know you were like hey listen this is what it is and we'll roll with it and all that stuff i mean what was the experience like doing before the dream uh, for you netta it was good. It was good. I always love working with um, with Norman, and I got the chance to meet some really great people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you, Tendiwe, um, Abby. You know, mm-hmm. it was just it, it. It was a fun. It was a fun time, and it was fun seeing it come to life. Um, it was a little bit hard for me because I had just had my <laughs> my second child, mm-hmm. oh, and so I, I was like, oh, yeah. but. You know, it was, it was good. It was yeah. good. I can't really say that um, I've had a horrible experience. I, I can say that I've had, you know, difficult experiences mm. sometimes, but it has more so to do with other people's ideas or perceptions about who mm-hmm. someone is or what a character should be or who that character is. And I don't quite mesh into that that character or that ideal and it doesn't always have to be a black character it could right. be another character who is you know who is traditionally of a different ethnicity and sure. people just don't don't see it and then sometimes you know just as humans are they kind of let that 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 i don't know, like disjointed feeling or discord kind of kind of come up and so mm-hmm. i have to deal in kind of you know just navigate around that but, yeah there are two you know. questions that i have um because you had mentioned sometimes you may get the criticism um that you're not black enough i've, I've gotten that i've t- i think i told you that i yeah. did an audition where someone wanted me to bounce a basketball around to be a you know some dude playing basketball <laughs> to be honest um, i hardly play basketball my thing is football sure. but and you know obviously i didn't get it because he wanted someone who fits that cliche right you need to be black, and I wasn't obviously black enough, mm-hmm. I guess. But you know, have you? Do you have frustrations with that? And also, as a woman, and we've had interviews with other women who have been on, and they've talked about some un- some uncomfortable experience they've had. Let's say um, with sexual harassment or anything like that. Hopefully, you haven't had to deal with any of that. No, as far as sexual harassment, no, mm-hmm. good, not um, no. 
Um, and yeah, how do you navigate those expectations when somebody is just trying to put you in a box that is not you? <laughs> I have to be true to my interpretation of that character. I've been very fortunate that when I've been in that position that it hasn't, um, I was going to say it hasn't been the director. There was one time, though, mm-hmm. where um, the person was looking for this character just to have this this experience explosive ah. kind of just it was interesting explosive but contained <laughs> frustration mm-hmm. um and it was just all over the um it was all to be contained within the the word shit and mm-hmm. i wasn't quite able to get that yeah. and you know i saw the frustration with the for that person and i tried my best but sure you know um but as far as, you know, not being black enough, you know, I can only be me. Right. I, yeah. I come from, you know, both of my parents are from the South. My yeah. roots are in Selma, Alabama. Right. I know, you know, <laughs> I have relatives who remembered slavery. Right. I don't know what, you know, but if your ideal of what yeah. black is is based upon what you see on TV or what you yeah. see, you know, your perception of the you know, the street corner or, right. or whatever, that's that's not my experience. Yeah, and that's the fault of the director, you know, whoever's casting you or whoever has this perception in their head mm-hmm. uh, because there, there are all sorts of aspects of, you know, what it is to be just black or just be yourself regardless mm-hmm. of who you are. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm glad that hasn't stopped you, you know, when you have to deal with that. We can talk about compared to what? I mean, how are you? We enjoy- should talk about compared to yeah, what? Yeah, how are you doing the play and how are you- No, before, before that, I want to, what techniques have you learned? Like, did you <laughs> learn Stanislavski and any of that stuff? Do you apply any techniques or do you just, from life experiences, how do you approach when you get the script for the first time? <laughs> I, I guess when I get the script for the first time, it's it's very important for me to read the entire script and then kind of see the through line and get an idea of who the character is. Um, I go back, you know, I guess you'd say in college, um, just to, I had a, a really great um, professor and then just, you know, making sure that I'm, I'm grounded in the, grounded in the piece and um, when you say like you bring up Stan softly, but I can't remember the woman's name, which is really Uta Hagen. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. Um, respect for uh, yes. yes. She wrote respect for acting, or was it yeah. an actor prepares? Is one of no those. respect for acting. Respect no. for acting. No. Yes. Stanislavski is an actor prepares. Yeah. So that you know, I just I just remember because as I can say, I was really fortunate to have you know great instructors, Amy Glazier, Mm -hmm. you know, um, Ethel Walker, you know, it's just all of these, you know, these people who just have this love for, for the theater and for, and for the permanent and for the individual. And, um, yeah, you know, so you know, sometimes I, I hear other people, you know, they talk about, um, you know, just all these different techniques and all the study. And I mm-hmm. have, you know, great respect for that because it's just people just really honing their crafts and mm-hmm. going out and looking and, you know, finding these, um, these opportunities. I just, you know, right now, just given all of life and having the opportunities to do that, I don't, I don't have that. So, mm-hmm. you know. 
Well, I guess okay. it depends on the role that you have. I mean, there's some roles where you really don't need to dig so, so deep. I mm-hmm. mean, you can make those connections already. Yeah. I, I imagine when you did Twelfth Night, that's a bit of a complex character. I mean, mm-hmm. I imagine you played the person who was the woman who was shipwrecked who had to pretend to be a man. And No, I was you, Olivia. Oh, you were Olivia? Yeah. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, if we were going back to compare to what, though, I, mm-hmm. I did have to do research because one of the... Um, you know, the important things about this is that she brings a lot of history into the script. Yep. And for me, it's really important to understand, well, why am I saying this? Mm-hmm. And who is this person? Yeah. So, um, you know, I kind of, I, I, I appreciate the, the history lesson of being here and, you know, learning about... I think um, you may have done more I, dramaturgy Jackson. than anybody else <laughs> in that cast. <laughs> Including me. There yeah. were things... Like Walter Dellums, and mm-hmm. I was like, he, and you said, nope, that's a woman named Walter. Yep. Like, okay. Wow. Hey, that is mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I remember having a discussion with Scott Munson, who says sometimes the actor knows the character even more than the playwright, mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, you do the research and you create this character, not only based on the words, but also based on, you know, your own experiences, and also... You're being, you're playing a woman, and this is 1926, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have to. I mean, what is it like being a, you know, a woman in Oakland in 1926? And you know, it was, I think it was only six years after, no, seven, five years after um, the women had the right to vote, 19th Amendment, right? Um, so all sorts of things yeah. opening up. Um, I think you know you're talking about like the whole experience. I mean, like a woman in Oakland, but I can go back to my family's experience because my great aunts, you know, they went to college. They mm, were doing nice. organizing nice. within, mm-hmm. you know, they were you know, they were in they were in Selma. So there was a lot of the stuff that was kind of going on. So that energy that um, they were Zeta too, because you know she talks about kind of like her her whole Greek. Right. League. Yep. But my legacy would have been in, in Zeta if I had decided to go the Greek <laughs> route. But, um, right. <laughs> but, um, you know, I just remember right. my mom. Right. A sorority woman, about. a black sorority woman, mm-hmm. basically at the turn of the century. Yeah. She was and a sorority woman. They, they, they love the go back to 26. Oh, they, they go back. Do, they wow. go back. No. Um, yeah. Um, 19 oh something, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, AKA was the first one. Yeah. And um, one of the characters who's in the play, that well, not the characters in the play, but the woman who is referenced, um, mm-hmm. Ida Jackson, right. the first teacher in Oakland, first black teacher in Oakland. She was an, she was an AKA. She was actually the founding president for the chapter at Berkeley. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I found interesting about her was that while she was uh, a teacher, in Oakland, she was not allowed to be like a full teacher. She was a permanent substitute teacher. And mm. this woman had, you know, a PhD wow. up and beyond the other people. So that's like why you, you know, when she's talking about, you know, access to the good jobs, access to opportunities, that's why, you know, there's that, that frustration. You have to be so much better with a man at City Hall, you know, with a degree mm-hmm. from UC Berkeley, and he's a janitor. And then mm-hmm. looking at and going to these Pullman porters, and I think that's why she has that whole interaction with Seamus in the play, and I'm bringing right. up these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, you know, 
she's saying you know, he came from he came from Georgia. He's a Pullman porter. Right. Not sure about his his education. And yeah, you're coming I love out that here. line. Maybe some people should learn more to what is it, learn to read, <laughs> learn to read, or read, learn a yeah. few new words. Yeah. But um, you know, just well, this is a you know, this is a gorgeous you know area, and and it feels as though you have these freedoms here. Be aware of the struggles and the challenges that you're going to have to deal with, Mm -hmm. you know, so, and you're competing with people who have college educations who are in the jobs that you might very well have been hired for. Or if you weren't, um, if you weren't a, a Negro, you know, you might get the jobs that this other person is qualified for. It's Mm -hmm. just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a beautiful play. There's a lot of, there's so many levels to it and then just so many ways for people to interact. And I think that it speaks a lot to kind of also what we're going through today and our mm-hmm. interactions of being able to to see each other, be you right. black, be you white, be you whatever. and to Well, that's where the title comes from, compared exactly. to what? Everybody's got their struggles. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's I, I, I can totally see it, you know, because the struggle is not only the struggle against the outside forces, you know, racism, but also the struggle within. You know, I've always been fascinated, whether it's compared to what, or before the dream, or the play that I wrote, or even what I see, black people fighting against the racism of America, that America was created on, but also the fight within ourselves. How do we fight this? You know, whether it be Booker T. Washington saying, hey, Let's build these historical black colleges so we can be better farmers as opposed right. to W.E.B. Du Bois, who says, no, 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 let's educate ourselves and let's fight the system. Mm-hmm. Let's not work within the system. Let's fight the system. Mm-hmm. Whether it be Malcolm X, right. fight mm-hmm. the system, or Martin Luther King Jr., who says, no, let's work within the system. Let's talk to these things and we can change the system from within. We've seen these battles, and, and I, I get the feeling that compared to what? You have these things as well. Yeah, I it's think so. Subtle. Yeah, it's subtle. I think that it's more so, um, you know, besides the overarching theme of racism, it's also just relating as humans, relating on the friendship level that, you know, this is my experience, but now I'm seeing your perception of where you are and how we can be so much within our own lives that we don't see what's going on with people who who are part of our lives and yeah. how do we talk to each other about mm-hmm. that? How do we bridge that gap without, you know, even thinking about that whole overarching right. thing? It's like, yes, you know, the racism, this is, this is my experience within this and this is how I perceive your experience, but how the next person can see it from a completely different, a completely different perspective and who wants to bridge that gap or who thinks they understand that gap mm-hmm. but can be completely ignorant of it. Yeah. It's kind of fun because as an acting thing, and I loved, I felt like I pushed that way a lot, uh, the whole, this notion of your character's constellation. Where mm-hmm. is that world? What is that world outside of this room and these two people talking, pushing you guys in that direction was, mm-hmm. you know, partly just to try and ground those moments of, I have a perspective. I have a way that I see the world that to me is the world. There's a refrigerator over there. Why can't you see the refrigerator, you know? And to ask you as the actors to forget where the story is going, 
start at where your character is before they get to this place of disagreement. Let's ground the characters there mm-hmm. so that that moment can come to life in front of the audience mm-hmm. of, wait a minute, how come you don't agree with me? How come you don't see what I've just so clearly laid out for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you brought up a good point, Aquanetta, because we talk about the stereotypes that other people put on us, but what about the stereotypes that we ourselves put on other people? Like I can say, well, you know, I'm black. Well, Norman's black, so he thinks exactly the way that I think mm-hmm. <laughs> until I talk, hear, listen to you and like, oh, wait a minute. You have a different perspective of what's going on. There's there's a lot of that in the play. It's kind of exactly, gorgeous. and I thought about that. I was talking to last night with a friend of mine, actually an ex girlfriend of mine, uh, who's black, and she was talking about her uh, sister, and she found out that her sister has a complete different perspective of the black experience, despite the fact that they grew up together. Right. And um, to make a long story short, you know, she has a husband, and she's living in the in you know middle class neighborhood, and she's doing really really well, mm-hmm. and sort of living a very conservative life. Um, right. I would dare even say a Republican life. Okay. And, you know, the conversation we had was, wow, how could can two of you grow up exactly together, but yet have different perspectives of the mm-hmm. black experience where you're still grounded in your, you know, your roots. Right. And she isn't. So I, I find that interesting. But it's, it's one of those things where if you listen to one another, you'll find that, hey, my experience is different from yours. Mm-hmm. And you can learn. I felt like we put a lot of energy into unpacking that because I think the playwright invested a lot of energy into telling this history and trying to give us a conversation that includes all that information. And for me, it was like, that's history, so that that exists. Let's figure out where your character's perspective is. Let's work on that. So, you know, especially before we got the set... <laughs> There was so much I was pushing on you guys. And then suddenly we got the set and you had to navigate around a table that I made bigger. Mm-hmm. The, the set guy was like, he came in, they had a table with a, you know, that extender leaf sure, in sure, the middle. Sure, 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 yeah. And I saw him, I saw the leaf and I came in and I said, let's put this in. So we put it in. Actors are stumbling around. I'm like, this is going to work. We're going to make this work. Yeah. I come back in, they've taken the leaf out. And I was like, I really don't mean to be a diva, but... What happened to my table? I, I need the bigger table. Oh, I don't know if it's going to fit. No, it's going to fit. There you go. <laughs> and then I made the actors have to work around it. Mm-hmm. Well, that made the scene more dynamic. You have an entrance where you come flying past that table. And it's like you kind of have to because otherwise it's in your way. Mm-hmm. And those, instead, just keep moving. Those are fun moments as an actor. It's like, okay, this is a new option. I hope so. It looks it. fun. When you make that entrance, I love it. You're like, a Seamus here. You're not waiting for anybody. You just get in. Yeah. And I felt like the character grew in that direction because of that. Mm-hmm. As a, a physical thing that I'm asking you to do, and mm-hmm. suddenly it kind of opens up a whole other aspect of the character. Yeah, did you feel, feel that? I did, and I definitely feel that that's true. It's just um, when you add that, that physicality and it helps you to find um, just different nuances within what you're doing and what you're saying. Um, another area is um, when, when Willie, you know, I'm learning about the story of Willie, mm-hmm. you know, coming in late and right. just, you know, just kind of like that, that dynamic of, you know, asking him the question and going back and spinning mm-hmm. around and just how that kind of just fits right into the right. Um, it felt very uncomfortable. It yeah. felt very uncomfortable <laughs> until finally you just sort of found it or gave into it. I uh-huh. don't know which. And now it's a simple move, but mm-hmm. it makes that moment just pop. Yeah. 
Whereas if he had just stayed there, it would have been mm-hmm. just stiff. We've already seen you do that. Mm-hmm. She puts him on the spot. She's talking to him. Mm-hmm. I I got to get him out of here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's, that, as director, I'm just sitting there going, I cannot let this go on. Uh-huh. I cannot. <laughs> How's it been, Aquanetto, with connecting with the actors on stage or, or even off stage? Um, has, has it been, I don't know, has, has it been a good experience? I mean, has, has there been a bond with the actors? I would say so. I would say so. I think that sometimes that there are different things that come up that just bond people. And, um, you know, just the different challenges of, say, um, you know, putting a piece up on it, you know, a piece, getting a pizza, a piece up on its feet, mm-hmm. you know, the, the challenges of COVID. It without an actor <laughs> for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Sure. Then direct me not being there because I had COVID. And yeah, she called me the first night. She's like, you were yelling. I'm like, I'm sorry. I was, I'm trapped at home. <laughs> Norman yell? I have never heard you yell. <laughs> oh my God. I think the whole time for like two weeks. It's fine. And yeah. I, I was just, I was just so, because it's the same That's thing. I want to move you guys. No, don't yeah. stand there and do that. Wait, stop, go back. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, yeah. And I'm trapped. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because I know that I have, you know, like, like working. Every time I do a piece, there are actors. You know, my fellow cast members. Some have a lot of experiences. Some have very little experience at all, mm-hmm. and it's very interesting right. watching, you know, actors work. And uh, like I know, when I finished doing it's uh, uh, it's only a play. It's only a play. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of text for all of us. I have my techniques for getting off book, mm-hmm. and other folks, you know, let's say did or didn't, and mm-hmm. you know, there was some anxiety. And I was like, well, you know, I'll tell you what I usually do. I'm not going to lecture you and tell you right. how to do things. But even that interaction sort of help create a bond yeah with us and i don't know if that was the same thing with you guys because i know you've had a lot of experience well, i feel like i kind of broke you guys up in the process there was a lot of times where you didn't actually get to see much of what other Mm-mm. people were doing okay. until we got to run throughs so yeah. th- were there ever times where let's say a cast member or even you say hey you know i know we're not in rehearsal right now but let's i don't know do some line readings or let's do a speed read or you know let's work on a scene or something like that yeah, there were um, there were some people who were who were able to do that. Just again, we're we're kind of we're spread out, mm-hmm. and then a number of the, um, you know, we're all working too. So during the course of the day, oh, it's sure. kind of hard to to come together. But you know, there were opportunities with during the rehearsal process where, um, you know, Lena would offer to read lines or run through with different actors and then you know we also put ourselves out there you know do you want to um kind of you know run these scenes but then you know we could run lines but then again you know having the opportunity to have the blocking in place have things in place so that we can mm-hmm. um you know get that feel sure was um, a little bit a little bit challenging and for me i'm the type of person that i need to be up on my my feet yes me too in order to get that that text in my body and to to retain it yeah i I know for me too i know okay i'm crossing stage left when i say this line right (laughs) right i'm sitting down when i say this line right that helps me remember the text so that's that's a good point how do you balance acting with motherhood and um, balancing that, like uh, we 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 know your husband. He's you know he's a wonderful guy, Henry, and, uh, which is also her husband's name in the play. I, I love that. that <laughs> ah, just, interesting. It Very cracked cool. me up as soon as I realized I had done that. I was yeah. like, 
oh, this is going to be fun. But before you take on a play, do you strategize with him like, hey, listen, I'm, I'm about to be cast for doing this, but I'm not sure if I'm going to accept it. You know, we strategize who's going to take care of the kids and all that stuff. What's the conversation sort of like? No, he's like, okay, go. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Well, yeah. I would assume it's different now than it was yeah, back know, 14 yeah, years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because they're they're older now, and so, you know, we're we're good with that. But even when they were younger, you know, you just pack them in, and, you know, we might wait, you know, somewhere until, like, I was finished, you know, pick me mm-hmm. up, and then we'd go, or he'd stay at home, take care of them. It's like, all right, go, you know you have this amount of time to get there it's always been you know it 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 does it makes a difference with your you know with your partner with your husband boyfriend mm-hmm. girlfriend whom whomever you're in that relationship with and if they're willing to um you know support and that's just that's nothing is, that i've ever Henry's had an issue wonderful. with mm-hmm. yeah that's fantastic yeah. and it's a luxury because there are a lot of folks there are a lot of women who are actresses who don't have that luxury either they don't have the supportive relationship or they don't have a relationship at all and they just have to take care of kids so it's good that you have that that's mm-hmm. good well and there are just periods where suddenly you need to be home yeah i mean i know a woman not in theater and um there was a period where she just wasn't out very much mm-hmm. because they were dealing with some issues at home and mm-hmm. she, and she didn't want to talk about it which i thought was fascinating she was like i come out to get a breather from that. So I really don't want to think about it, don't want to talk about it. But every now and then she'd be calm and she could kind of say, well, no, we feel like we both are, they were switching off who was home. They were making sure Mm -hmm. because they had a child who they just felt needed the attention. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Let me ask you this, Aquanetta. Um, How is Bay Area Theater treating you? Are you getting the roles that you want? Are you satisfied? Are you frustrated? Um, Are you ready for more? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'd say that um, Bay Area Theater, you know, right now at this moment is is good. You know, I I came back into it because of the relationship that I had with um, with Norman and the fact that he was directing, and it felt, you know, secure and um, supportive. Uh, I think that I took a step away from it because. There were, as you guys were mentioning earlier, a lot of life instances and life situations that were occurring, and I, you know, took the time to focus on my family. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my mom wasn't well, and so, mm-hmm. um, you know, and my my children were were smaller, and uh, I think that um, I also needed to take a step back and do some work on my on myself, and mm-hmm. kind of look at my own insecurities look at you know how I feel so that if I do foray back into it I'm a stronger person because mm-hmm. I think I let too much I let too much come in and I let too many other people define me or define mm-hmm. who I was and undercut my my thoughts and my my confidence are you talking about criticism uh yeah I guess you could say like you know criticism just you know, just, you know, people have their own thoughts, people have their own opinions. And we have to be able to, to filter through that and to, you know, look at it and unload it. But at that particular time, just given with everything that I was dealing with, 
you know, within my life, I couldn't look at it. I, you know, I could look at it, but I couldn't necessarily unload it. Sure. So it kind of gets you to this, this place where, you know, theater for me is joy. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what it should joy. be. Yes. And then it like, it feeds me. It makes me happy when it's not doing that. Then I think I just needed to take a step back because mm-hmm. I didn't want to, to hate it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, what's interesting I had to sort of go through that. Not that I have any, a great deal of insecurity or whatever, but there are times, and you and I have talked about it, Norman, as far as directing and the director's job of giving direction, but also not breaking down an actor. You know, right. like saying overly critical, like, oh my God, what are you doing? You know, do this this way or that way or whatever. Mm-hmm. There are ways, and I think we've talked about that with Susan Evans when she was on, the way to talk to an actor. Like, so I had an experience uh, this year, I'm not going to mention the play, mm-hmm. where I could tell the director was not used to giving good constructive criticism. Mm-hmm. Uh, the person was more frustrated with what they were not seeing on stage. Right. And not realizing that we're still working with the script and we're still, and I can't get into your head (laughs) to know (laughs) what you want. Why don't you trust me to, you know, number one, get the script out of my hands and to create the character and maybe I'll give you what you want. Now, if I'm pointing in the wrong direction, you can tell me, well, I'm sort of wanting to go this way. Mm -hmm. But I think there are directors who inadvertently, I would like to think, (laughs) unless you're a narcissist. can tear down an actor without wanting to. And we've talked about that. Yeah, I think a lot of them do. I yeah. think, you know, sometimes they're so in their head. They so want to see what's in their head. And you just have to. <laughs> Lord knows I go there. Go ahead. <laughs> it's fine. Um, I think for me that it wasn't so much directors, you know. Because, you know, I keep saying, you know, lucky, mm-hmm. but, you know, I've had, I've had, you know, good directors, but I think like other people who are kind of around it sure. and then their idea of what, you know, and I keep coming back to this idea of what a cast will look like mm-hmm. and I don't fit that right. idea. Mm-hmm. Like, cause when you, you know, you were talking about, you know, Twelfth Night and then I said, Olivia, you were like, oh, you know, I didn't fit that ideal right, yeah. of what someone thought yeah. you know because I really thought you would be, be the ingenue <laughs> that, <laughs> you know? that would be the young you know the leading yeah. actress or whatever but no I can, t- I can totally yeah. understand it go ahead no it's just and I, I think that it just sometimes people in their own insecurities kind of try to nick other people and mm-hmm. tear them down. Yeah. That's not necessarily, you know, a director, but right, it's right. just, you know. Yeah. Right. I mean, I mentioned the director because that's the only person that I care about. I don't really <laughs> care about anyone else. See, that's oh. the kind of perspective I needed to step away to get. You know? Right. You know, someone on the side who really isn't, they're not in the kitchen to see how it's cooked, yeah. you know, how theater's mm-hmm. cooked. So yeah. right. if a producer or someone, you know, on the side says, you know, it can't understand what's going on. It's like, well, you're not supposed to understand. You know, we wait, until, wait till we actually open. We had some challenges with maskers because we went from us sort of on our own doing it all by ourselves to this whole crew of people mm-hmm. coming in to help us get ready to open the show. Yeah. And they hadn't seen the process and they have their ideas about how things go. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how many messages I had to send and say, I need you to not talk to my actors. I need you to talk to me or talk to the stage manager, talk to somebody appropriate. But we are in a process 
and you are not helping my process. Exactly. I know what the deadline is. I know where the finish line is. And I am working towards that. If mm-hmm. you want to talk to me about where I think we're at, happy to have that conversation. And so opening night, uh, we had script. Mm-hmm. It was backstage. Audience didn't see it. But we had script. And line was called maybe half a dozen times. Mm-hmm. Next night, I'm on script. Nobody calls line once. Yeah. But I knew they weren't going to be ready for Friday. And I never tried to I never tried to say to you guys, you guys need to do this. Right. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. What I said is, I need you when you're on the stairs to do this. I need you. I need to hear that door when you mm-hmm. come through that door. I need the audience to know there's a door there. It's off stage. But I yeah. need them to know that. So don't be shy about it. Go back. Take that entrance again, please. <laughs> yeah. And, and there are two thoughts I have about that. Number one, theater is about trust. Mm-hmm. Trust the actors. You cast them. Mm-hmm. Trust, you know, the builders and all the tech. Right. You know, because you, you cast them. And if they don't know what the, you can at least say, hey, is everything okay? Or, you know, what's going on? What do you need so I can get you to where you need to go? But trust that it's part of the process. You know, the actor that isn't off book last week, this yep. week will be not only on point, <laughs> But we'll give you something that you didn't even expect. Well, you have to and trust. my focus was always on mm-hmm. what is it you need to be doing? Because I think if you know what you need to be doing, yeah. the lines will come. Exactly. And the second thing is, it's a collaborative effort. Yeah. You can be like, what is the, uh, the, the um, I don't know if it's Henny Penny or whatever. Um, oh, the um, Little Red Hen. Little Red Hen, or, you know, let's say someone's uh, fixing dinner. Like, who's going to help cut the carrots? Yeah. Yeah. Not I set the yeah, yeah. Bird, not yeah. I set the this, not I set yeah. that. You know, everyone wants the food, but no one wants to go in the kitchen and cook it. You know? Right. So, you know, if you're a producer or whatever, and you're not, and you're judging the process without being part of the process. Yes. Yeah. It was, it was I issue. mean, I, you know, I tried to cushion you guys as much as I could. Mm-hmm. I, I know that there was stuff that came at you. Mm-hmm. Because I couldn't be everywhere all the time. And I couldn't even be there. For, there was a week where they were in the space and I wasn't able to be there. And, That's ridiculous. And I'm getting these reports back and just going. Right. If I'd have been there, I'd have been a pit bull. I'd have been all up somebody's ass because yeah. I just wasn't having it. Yeah. And I felt like I give you. I was trying to give you guys a safe place to, yeah. to let the play grow. And, yeah. And you're absolutely right, Netta. I mean, you know, we come off of work. Nine to five job. Yep. If we have family, we're you know taking care of the kids, husbands, wife, and all that sort of stuff. To come into a theater and be stressed out mm-hmm. because somebody else isn't seeing what they you know yep. think is is going on. That's ridiculous. You know. Up until so, we got to run throughs, mm-hmm. we would do this thing, and I will give Valina Brown credit for it because she showed me. Mm-hmm. Um, we in the Mind Troop show would always every rehearsal start with taking five breaths, share five breaths. Mm-hmm. We started doing that, and there were so many nights. I'm like, why am I going? Are we going to do this tonight? <laughs> okay, let's do it. Let's do it. And after we did five breaths. I would find myself like I am in a I'm ready to work now. I am here and I'm ready to work and I know I'm tired or whatever, but I just got in touch with that because I took the time yeah. and I could see it in the cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that look from you particularly. The, are we really getting ready to do this? Like, please just trust me. It was the part where you asked us, okay, on a scale of one to five, where yep. are you? I'm like, I don't want to bring everybody down right now. <laughs> But that's, I threw twos out whenever I could. I'm like, today I am at 2.75 because I, I, I'm here. So <laughs> that's what you're getting. And that's in the end, it all comes together. 
I can tell so many. I'm looking at all these posters in my wall. I can tell mm-hmm. stories about every single one and how crazy the process was. But in the end, mm-hmm. the audience sees some something spectacular and fantastic. They have no idea the, the well, crazy stuff. Well, I'm curious to know if audiences are. Are we getting bigger audiences? How is how is the run going? The audiences are pretty good. They're a pretty good size. I mean, yeah. um, you know, at least half the theater a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, sometimes, you know, you have the quiet audience. And then other right. times you have a very responsive audience. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, they're both great. And then you could feel on, you know, coming back on uh, a Thursday, they were just, they were there with you, Yeah. you know, and you could, you, you could hear it. And mm-hmm. um, it's, it was great. It was great. Just, they felt, um, and maybe it was because it was a benefit. They just felt, you know, they just, they oh, shouted right. out. Yes. <laughs> it was just, it was funny. And then, you know, just taking that and as an actor feeding off of that and mm-hmm. going more so into, you know, just the, the whole life of it. And I think you had mentioned um, during the course of the play and when we were, you know, in development, just talking about the whole uh, concept of code switching and just how yeah. you oh, kind of go into yeah. all of that. Well, and, that and it's good. weird because Judith is a white woman mm-hmm. and I didn't feel like she... I don't know how conscious she was of it in the writing of the play, but mm-hmm. I started, and it was subtle, but there were mm-hmm. places where I'm like, you need to know what you're saying when there's just black people in the room mm-hmm. versus when there's white people in the room. Mm-hmm. Just be aware of that. And the actors, you know, that's a very sort of nebulous thing to say because it's not, it's not really directly rooted to the text, mm-hmm. but it gave them a way to kind of approach what they say. And there are a number of times where I feel like you come in and you're kind of saying, okay, I need to say this, but I know who's in the room. Mm-hmm. It, you know, just little things like that are so... Yeah. I hope Maskers is satisfied with it. I'm, I'm happy with the work you guys are doing. Yeah, well, I'm, I mean, it's, it's an important story, and I have no idea whether the community accepts that sort of a story, but the very fact that Maskers is putting it on, mm-hmm. that makes a statement in itself. I've, I've talked about yeah. theater companies that make a decision even before the directors and the actors come in. It's like, hey, we want to sell, tell this story. Right. And that alone is a statement. So that's it's very, very good. It's been powerful. Yeah. Where do you see yourself in the future? What do you want to do, I don't know, five or ten years from now, theater-wise? Do you want to, I don't know, have you thought about film? Have you thought about, um, I don't know, YouTube channel or something like that? Mm-hmm. Or are you happy with where you are? I'm open to whatever comes my way. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm open. Very cool. Yeah. I was going to ask, have your kids seen you on stage? When they were little, they don't remember, but mm-hmm. they'll see me tonight. Awesome. Oh, yay! That's fantastic. <laughs> no, yeah. that is great. We, we've had some um, mothers on, and it's important that children see, you know, their mother, not just as the mother, but also as an independent woman who is mm-hmm. doing things like acting. So it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. awesome. That is really, really cool. All righty. Um, birthdays? There's a few. <laughs> I, for some reason, my brain has not really kicked back into the Saturdays. So um, <laughs> I keep having first? one day. Well, no, I keep just having today Andrew Jordan Dance's birthday. And I had mentioned him last week. He's um, with the New Conservatory Theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, Champagne Hughes, somebody I got to meet through, actually through uh, Tracy Potter and... Okay. Um, I forget the name of her little company now, but Tracy's now in L.A. Champagne is, uh, she DJs, she 
you know, is trying to move her career to the next level. Anyway, she's a wonderful black actress, mm-hmm. Bay Area. A guy I went to college with, Paul Jennings, uh, was at San Francisco State alum. Um, one of the most powerful Shakespeare actors of my peers that I think I know. He and a conspiracy nut. You want to go down that <laughs> rabbit hole of who wrote the plays? Mm. He'll go there with mm. you. I'm going to mess up this name. Shinichi Iova Koga is a Japanese-American um, performer. He does um, sort of a fusion of dance and traditional Japanese styles, mm. and um, his birthday is coming up this week. Christine Young, amazing director, um, just a wonderful intellect, and somebody I got to work with a lot when I was involved with the uh, Bay Area Playwrights Foundation. Her birthday is coming up this week. I'm going to skip some names and see if you have them. Uh, Krista Carson, uh, Krista Carson Elhai now, because mm-hmm. she actually married her high school sweetheart. All right. And she just retired from running the theater department at our high school this year, this last spring. Wow. wow. So anyway, her birthday is coming up this week. Um, Julie Evans, um, who was in the first uh, Judith Offer play that I directed, um, Frame of Possibilities. She played my leading lady, and she's a beautiful young woman um, who's got an amazing, like a wicked sense of humor. She is bright and sharp. And, mm. mm-hmm. uh, Sherry Young, the founder of the African American Shakespeare Company. Her birthday's coming up this week. Uh, Phil Wong, who I got to do as you like it with with the San Francisco yeah um, Shakespeare Festival yeah and we actually got to he was one of the he wrote one of the songs he actually wrote the song that I did in the play and he also um, he and I got to do a word for word and went to France which I'm getting ready to do this May yay oh I'm going going back back to France going back wow Uh, that might have been the thing I was talking about that I didn't want to say anything about but yeah it's it's happening we're going to do an initial read in October first week of October Mm -hmm. right before my birthday wow jealous Um, a couple more names Uh, Gemma Whalen um, wonderful director Mm -hmm. um, was running the department briefly at um, Mills College for a while Mm -hmm. and now she lives I'm not sure somewhere up north um, but anyway, her birthday this week. Josh Costello, wonderful Bay Area actor, who, an actor, director, mm-hmm. who I have known since he was working with small companies, and now he's actually become kind of a thing. <laughs> uh, Linda, a- I, I will lin- leave, I'll leave the next two to you. Okay. Um, Kat Downs, uh, she was a piano player. Um, her birthday is today. I think she worked out of the uh, Darkroom Theater. But in any case, a happy birthday to her. Also, Rajiv. You keep on forgetting Rajiv, or maybe you left that for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, his birthday is, was yesterday. No, I, I never birthday. do last week, so I always try to move it forward. <laughs> yeah, so his birthday. He was the set builder for our play, Foreman in Paris. Mm-hmm. His birthday was yesterday. Brandon Campanile. Uh, I was on stage with him. We did Godspell together, and he was a fantastic Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. His birthday uh, is tomorrow. Um, also tomorrow, Lindsay Friedman, Freeman, uh, we had her on, oh. uh, I believe she was, I'm hoping I'm not getting the name wrong, but in any case, uh, she was the art, she was the musical director when we did, um, Women on the Verge of Nervous Breakdown. Oh, nice. So her birthday is, uh, tomorrow. Uh, let's see. I see a bunch of folks. Amber Rubarth. Yes. Uh, we've had her on. Uh, she is the composer, the composer mm-hmm. who worked with uh, uh, Playwrights Cafe. Uh, I'm sorry, Musical, musical Cafe. Cafe. Yeah. Uh, her birthday is September the 21st. First. Also on September the 22nd, 
Uh, a friend of mine who graduated from Duke Ellington, a fantastic actress, Regina Johnson, her birthday is September the 22nd. Um, Linda Ayers Frederick. Yep. The owner of the Phoenix Theater. Her birthday is the 23rd. The Hutch, John Hutchinson, who yeah. will be 86 years old. He wow. is the he's he's the oldest interview, person that we've interviewed for the ah, A. And uh, he's uh, doing well. As a matter of fact, he came out to see me a couple of uh, nights ago. Oh, good. When I did. Uh, before, uh, uh, um, when you were closing. Yeah, yeah, when I was closing. It's only a play. Yeah. yeah. And um, when we had him on, he he's probably the only one who remembered as a child, listening to Franklin D. Roosevelt, oh, the right. Fireside Chats. Yes. So that was really, really cool. That's old. Uh, <laughs> yes, it is. And that's it. That's all I have. Uh, shows. Um, well, I um, will mention that Play Cafe, since we just touched on that, mm-hmm. does a Tuesday afternoon thing for writers. Oh, so I'm actually going to be moderating that this coming Tuesday. Mm-hmm. I think it's 2 o'clock. Um, and then I mentioned uh, the word-for-word piece that we are supposed to take to France is a short story called Home. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do a read, a presentation of that um, as just a reading uh, October 8th, I believe it is. Nice. Yeah. We'll, we'll um, push that. Um, also, uh, Pygmalion, the Orinda Starlight Village Players is doing that. That mm. is running... Now until October the 1st, Alicia Von Kulgin is in that show, and we'll have links to that. Tiny Beautiful Things, Plethos Production, that, that is going on right now until the 18th. Oh, that's till tomorrow. It closes tomorrow. So we have a link for that if you want to check that out. Ferocious Lotus is doing Written in Water. It's a part of the Ferocious Lotus Evolution series. That will go on until the 25th. Lisa Kong wrote the play, uh, one of the plays, Written in Water. Alan Coyne, who's in everything, is in that. So check that out. Uh, Christmas in Oz, uh, the Coastal Repertory Theater, is, will be doing that December the 1st through the 18th. Danny Martin, is his directorial debut, is doing that. Um, the Women's Annex, that is being done at the Central Works. That'll be, done, that'll be October the 15th through November the 13th. Elizabeth Carter is directing that. Yep. Uh, we have a link to that. We've talked about compared to what, so uh, next week will be the last week that yeah. it will be running. So check that out. We have a link for that. I can eliminate that. <laughs> <laughs> Lear. Uh, Cal Shakes is doing that. Uh, and Don they Monique- just open, yeah. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so Don Monique Williams is uh, co-directing that. And also um, Michael Ashbury is in that show. Yep. And Valina Brown. And Valina Brown, right on. Songs for Larry. Theater Brava is doing that. It's a workshop of a new musical. That'll be October the 2nd. So we're trying to promote that as much as we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, Melvin Badiola is producing that show. So we have Yay. a link for that. San Jose Sage is doing the play that goes wrong. It opened, uh, it will open on, on the 21st. It closes October the 16th. John I feel Tr- like it, it needs to go with it's only a play. The play that goes <laughs> exactly. wrong and it's only a play. They need to be together. They're both madcap comedies. Uh, so uh, the play that goes wrong, John Tracy is in that. Michael Barrett Austin, Cassidy Jamal Brown is in mm-hmm. that. Uh, Gypsy is playing at the Hill Barn Theater. Melissa Bombluis is in that play. That'll mm-hmm. close September the 25th. Uh, we've talked about Man of God, which is getting rave reviews. Yay. Shotgun players. Um, Sharon Shaw, Chuck Laxon, Lauren Garcia is in that, along with uh, Joyce Demonico Ha, mm-hmm. who has uh, also um, been on the A, mm-hmm. along with Hyung Ji Kim, who is the assistant stage manager. That'll be running until October the 20th. I'm sorry, the t- October the 2nd. Uh, Camelot at the Contra Costa Civic Theater is running. Uh, that'll be from now until the October the 9th. Jamie Strube is in that show, so check that out. Mm. I can eliminate that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Spelling Bee, 
It won't be running until November, but I want to uh, advertise that. Um, Steve McLeod, who has been on the show, is co-directing. That's his directing Mm -hmm. debut. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there are three podcasts we want to pump. Barry Graves, The Black Man's Heart. Check that out. Mallory Samara, her day job is KCBS Radio. So she has a Mm -hmm. weekly news podcast, Connect the Dots. And Bindle Stiff has The Fobcast. So check that out. And also I want to pump jerseys. We have jerseys. We have white jerseys. We have black jerseys. We have black jerseys again? Uh, Yeah, that'll be coming. I don't have them out right now. Okay. (laughs) And I posted a new uh, collage of people wearing the jerseys, yeah. and people have been uh, reacting very well to that. So check that out. It's $30, and uh, just um, CC me mm-hmm. via direct messaging if you want a jersey. That is it. Uh, Aquanetta, hopefully you enjoyed yourself. <laughs> very much so. Yeah. Right on. Thank you so much. And um, we're on all podcast apps. We're on Spotify. We're on Overcast. We're on... Um, the uh, Purple Podcast app, the Apple Podcast app. Mm-hmm. We're on SoundCloud if you're an Android user. The A was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up. Our Twitter feed is the A3. I'm at Reg Space Clay. And I'm at Hoosier Hoosier. Netta, is there a place where people can reach you? <laughs> no, you don't do social media? No Twitter, Snapchat, or anything like that? Uh, no. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So if directors want to reach you, uh, how, how can they reach you? I guess they get in touch with me. <laughs> exactly. Okay. <laughs> Not a problem at all. <laughs> or if you want to learn more about Netta or if you really want her to reach out, you can hit up the A3 and you know send us a link and all that sort of stuff and um, uh, let us know what you think. That is it. It's a wonderful Sunday afternoon. A Saturday, Saturday. afternoon, sorry. Yep. Um, I'm going to let you guys go. Thank you so much. And as Norman and I always say, we've we got to find, find a, a better, better sign-off. Off. And we are out. <laughs> <laughs>